Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hey, everybody, how are you? I hope you're drinking something delicious. Now today, I am going to take you somewhere slightly off-piste, and we are on a day trip to Bulgaria. Now, question, have you ever drunk any Bulgarian wines? Certainly for me in the wine industry, I can count them on one hand. Well, until yesterday. Yesterday, I attended a Zoom tasting hosted by top Bulgarian sommelier, Zarek Mesrobian, and this tasting was named Funky Bulgaria because simply the wines were really interesting, different, and all indigenous varieties. I was incredibly impressed. So up until this point, the few Bulgarian wines I had tried had been incredible value. So I was super excited to try these. I was not disappointed. So I've decided I'm going to dedicate a whole episode just to these wines. Although keep in mind, by the time I actually release this episode, it's going to be months after the Zoom tasting. So all the buzz will have died down. Well, hopefully I shall spark it all back up again. Now, remember, go to my show notes. You can download a transcript and certainly with the spelling of these indigenous grape varieties, I think that will be very useful. So go and check that out. So first of all, I'm going to start by telling you what Zarek, the Bulgarian sommelier, told me about the history and the geography of Bulgarian wines. Let's see if I do him proud. (laughs) Now for me, there is certainly one very interesting fact about Bulgaria's wine history, and that is in the 1980s when they were officially the fourth largest wine producer in the world. Now, Jancis Robinson has been coined as saying that Bulgaria managed a minor economic miracle in the 1970s and the 1980s. So how did that happen? So this was during the Soviet period and the government basically set up uh, large state-owned monopolies and it became a massive focus and a priority to produce wine. Rather than focusing on the indigenous varieties that they had, they planted Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc, the well-known international grape varieties. And they were able to export to the Soviet Union these pretty basic but fruity, easy-drinking wines. So if you grew up in Russia in the 1980s, certainly you will have tasted a lot of Bulgarian wines. Now, it wasn't just Russia. The UK got really behind some of the wines, especially this very full-bodied, intense Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, at the time, they were really making an impact because these wines were varietally labelled. So this was something that, in Europe, it wasn't common, making the wines a lot easier to sell. Now, apparently, at its peak, in Sainsbury's, one of our top supermarkets in the UK, Bulgarian Cabernet Sauvignon was the biggest selling wine in the country, which is pretty crazy to think. 
But way before that, Bulgaria's wine industry has another claim to fame in the UK, and that is with Winston Churchill. So Winston Churchill was our Prime Minister twice, in fact, from 1940 to 1945, and then from 1951 to 1955. And he is famously known for being a huge fan of Paul Roger champagne to the point that Paul Roger's prestige cuvee that's only made in their top vintage years is called Sir Winston Churchill. Now he's famous for this but what Bulgaria can claim is that one of Winston Churchill's favourite red grape varieties was broad-leaved Melnick. Yes that's correct that's the name of the grape variety broad-leaved Melnick and he would receive annual shipments of this grape variety. So don't worry we are going to taste one of them in a little bit so stay put. However, to cut a long story short, with an anti-alcohol campaign in the late 1980s, which was quite similar to the Prohibition times in America, followed by the fall of communism, which resulted in privatising the lands and giving them back to owners, which had complications with many wine growers not actually knowing how to make the wine and these winemakers not being around. So the wine growers were producing grapes of very poor quality or picking them too quickly. They didn't have the knowledge. So there were many complications. However, getting into 2007, they joined the EU and that allowed them to have opportunities for far more support, more equipment and to focus more on terroir, blending of wines, the soils. So in 2007, that is when two protected geographical indications were created, so PGIs. And that makes things quite simple when it comes to Bulgarian wines. There's literally two wine areas. So if you look at a wine map of Bulgaria, you will see to the north you have the Danube plain, then you have separating the Danube plain, you have the Balkan mountain range, and underneath that you have the Thracian valley. If you speak to winemakers or you look on the bottles, they have individually separated both of these two PGIs into far more different wine regions. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit more as I drink the wines. I think let's pour the first from this Zoom tasting and actually my favourite. Oh, I do love a bit of sparkling wine. Now, this is a pet nat, a pétillante naturelle. So this is the most natural way to make a sparkling wine. If you don't know what a pet nat is, I advise you go back to one of my previous episodes. That's episode 25, which is on organics, biodynamics and sustainable wines. I actually do a tasting on another pet nat and I talk about exactly how it's made. Now, this little beauty is made from Mavrud. So Mavrud is an indigenous variety of Bulgaria and is probably considered their signature variety. Now, just to throw you off, interestingly, there are arguments it could be Mavrud or maybe it's Rubin. So if you've not heard of either of these two great varieties, do go and check them out out. Rubin, interestingly enough, is a crossing between Syrah and Nebbiolo. So a French grape variety with an Italian, definitely worth checking out. Now, Mavrud is a very thick skinned red grape variety and it can produce a big bold red with big tannins. So you can imagine how very interesting that this is being made into a sparkling wine. So very, very careful pressing to make sure those skins and those tannins don't come out in the wine. Right, let's get some in the glass. Interestingly enough, before I tell you about tasting, the colour is this gorgeous kind of medium 
golden colour with a slight amber tint. It's very interesting. This is not overly aromatic, but it has this gorgeous mix of like brioche with cranberries and a nice bit of quince in there, a little bit of ginger. Mm. A little bit yeasty. Again, that brioche coming through on the palate. It's kind of medium bodied, really, really soft. That nice little fizz. This kind of note of like a peach pie, like the, a pie crust. So like peach pie with almost like a hint of orange skins on the edge. So it gives you that slight more bitter, savoury note, but it's actually very soft and very pretty. It's so easy drinking. This is really perfect as an aperitif on its own. It doesn't need any food necessarily. This would be an absolute ultimate wine to bring to a dinner party to really surprise people and for something to talk about. Now this is 14.95 from the old cellar. All these wines came from the old cellar. I assume this is something that they set up for the Zoom tasting. So I apologize for anyone who's not in the UK, but I implore you to go and investigate where the hell you can get your Bulgarian wine from wherever you are in the world. The UK drinkers, very, very simple. Just go to Old Cellar. So let's just look at the producer just for a second. So this is Georgiev Milkov. So it's two winemakers who've come together in 2014. So a young project. It's Peter Georgiev and Radostin Milkov. And they've spent ages traveling all over the world to America, New Zealand and Austria, even China, amongst others, learning their craft. They've come back and it's about fresh ideas, new ideas, and certainly a little bit funkier ideas. Now they don't own any land, but they've gone around Bulgaria to find the best grapes. This specific Petna is called, quite like the name, Petna Funky Mavrud. Now I love that it says the grape variety Mavrud on the front label, that makes things easy for us. Truthfully as well, from my tasting notes, hopefully you've realised that as a Petnat, and as natural kind of sparkling wine goes, this isn't too funky. I think this is very approachable and super likeable by anybody who tries it. Now these two guys are doing really good things for the Mavrud variety and Rubin, as I told you. So those two main grape varieties. And both of these grape varieties, you're going to find them in the PGI, the Thracian Valley, as opposed to the Northern Valley, which is called the Danube Plain. So that is where you're going to find these two varieties. Now, the birthplace of Mavrud is Asenovgrad. And this is very close to the second largest city in Bulgaria. And it's called Plovdiv. And this is supposed to be a beautiful place to visit. Plus, within half an hour, you can get yourself into the vineyard, of which there are many. So the grape variety that is used in this Petnat is from here. And I told you about in the Thracian Valley, although that's the official PGI, they have created these little sub-regions. This is what they would call the Western Thracian Valley. Pretty easy, in a way, <laughs> to remember. So now, I want you to prepare yourself because the next grape variety I'm going to talk about is even more complex. So take a seat. Ready? So this white grape variety is called Kaileshki Mishket. So that's two words. Kaileshki is the first and the second is Mishket. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually quite like saying it. Kaileshki Mishket. It sounds fabulous. Now, this is an amazing grape variety that is super aromatic, does not belong to the Muscat family, but 
actually has that really kind of grapey aroma. Think if Viognier and Torontes had a love child, but it had a hell of a lot more acidity. That is what Kaleshki Mishket is. The history of this grape variety is it's a crossing between Muscat of Hamburg, which if you've ever heard of this grape variety, was a crossing from Muscat of Alexandria and Trollinger. So these are slightly more known varieties. That Muscat of Hamburg was crossed with a hybrid called Villard Blanc. So it's come together and created something quite unusual. So let me pour you some of this and I'll describe what I can smell and taste. Okay, so it reminds me of Christmas. I don't know about how many of you in the world have satsumas on Christmas Day. Santa loves satsumas. I don't know. Anyway, it's like that beautiful orange freshness. And then there's a real green note at the same time, like nettle. So it's very meadow-like, very, very fresh, but really jumps out up my nose. It's really quite unique. There's almost like this slight tropical nature, like banana or maybe banana skins orange skins it's it's got all that real sharp intensity mm. all that is coming through on the palate but now i'm getting much more of the the grapiness and also this real hit of violets it's very floral it's very lifted this is gorgeous and zippy and really in your face this is not like really any other great variety I've ever tried and it really is one to be remembered perfect with shellfish perfect with any fresh light fish because of that citrus notes the really sharp citrus notes and also because of that really lifted acidity I think the perfect pairing would be a ceviche and specifically if you had a ceviche with some fresh oranges and some red onions oh my god that would be a match made in heaven so this is incredible and it is £12.60. That is insane. I personally, I think if I was going to guess this wine, if somebody told me it was £16, £17, £18, I'd be totally happy with it. So let's talk about the producer. This is Harawan Bieve Family Vineyards and Winery. And they are located in a region called Pleven, which is in the northern PGI, the Danube Plain. Now, this specific wine that I'm drinking is the H's series, so H apostrophe S. And that's basically their series of wines that are all dedicated to just the indigenous varieties. Now, the story behind this winery is actually rather cute. They have this motto that love turns into wine and wine into love. And the story is that it was Mitko who, in 2009, after dreaming about doing this for such a long time, he bought nine hectares in Plevin with the idea that this should be an important wine centre. And during that time, he then met Sveti, his then future wife, and they fell in love and she wanted to do more vineyards and they bought more hectares of land and in the meantime they've had three children and it's this very tiny little family making very impressive wines. Now to touch on the fact that there are some sub-regions again, there are three sub-regions in this Danube Plain. Now Plevin, where this winery is, is in the middle section, the main section, and that very simply is called the Danubian plain so quite easy and for anyone who's interested in the other two because I'm not tasting any more wines from these regions on the left you have northwest Bulgaria 
yeah, fine. I'm quite happy with these subregions. They seem to make sense. And then to the east on the coast of where the Black Sea is, it's called the North Black Sea. So that is easy to understand. And now also to keep the soil types super easy, in general, in the Danube Plain in the north, you're going to find limestone and lowest soils. Whereas in the Thracian lowlands, you're going to find more clay and sand soils. Now on a side note, if you do want your international varieties, like Merlot does very well in Bulgaria, Merlot also loves clay. That's also why it does very well in Bordeaux on the right bank. So you're going to find a lot of the Merlot down in the Thracian lowlands. Okay, new grape variety alert. I repeat, new grape variety alert. We are on to the third wine. This is a white grape variety called Keretsuda. Now, typically, it makes quite simple, basic wines. It doesn't have that much acidity. But winemakers are really learning how to work with it. And for example, this wine is an orange wine. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Now, at one point, this was down to about 10 hectares only in the whole of Bulgaria. So now it's having a little bit more of a comeback. Now, you're going to find this grape variety in its home, which is the Struma River Valley. Now, that is one of the subregions. This subregion is part of the Thracian lowlands, but it's completely separate from everything else. So, again, do look at a map of Bulgarian wines. This is completely on the left-hand side, so the most western region of them all in the south, and it borders Macedonia. Now, I'll let you into a bit of a secret. I'm not actually a fan of orange wine. For anyone who's interested, orange wine comes from white wine that has basically been left on the skins for a decent amount of time. So basically treated like it's red wine. So it spends time macerating on its skins. Those skins give a bit more of an orange colour to the wine and also a little bit more tannins. You can get some real interesting flavours with orange wine but for me I always find them a little bit too bitter but that is my preference and tasting this wine I was still impressed with how it was made and even better that it costs £12.95. Are you seeing the theme here with the pricings of these wines from Bulgaria? They are fantastic. So let's try this orange wine. Okay, so the nose is slightly muted. And the reason for that, very stupidly, I just took this straight out of the fridge before starting to record this. Now, this is an orange wine. It should be treated a hell of a lot more like a red wine. And so it should take time to be left in a glass, open up, and also to warm up. So yes, do put it in the fridge. It's better to be served chilled, but not too cold. Now you get this kind of peachiness and maybe a bit of orange blossom and I get this lovely smell of kind of older barrels like just a nice old wood it's certainly inviting it's very medium body it has all these kind of apricot skins and it has those big tannins they're quite grippy but they're furry they're textural and actually the acidity is medium it's refreshing enough and you have this like white flowers on the finish it's a really interesting wine it's very modern it's very cool and this is a sort of wine that you would want with food because of that interesting texture so having this with chicken with duck 
these kind of dishes in fact I reckon this would go beautifully with like a chicken satay dish so those slight peanuts and a bit of sweetness that might really balance with the texture and the slightly more dry side of this wine I truly think it's a really well made wine and actually the length on it is beautiful it has 45 days macerating with the skins and there's a real just freshness and a cleanness the whole way through okay so the producers are libera estate these guys are also pretty new starting in 2013 and their focus is really showing the local age-old traditions of the region but with this much more contemporary modern feel to things now their main grape variety that they actually champion is the indigenous variety from this specific area so remember we're in the Struma river valley and the main indigenous variety there is the broad-leafed Melnick. So do you remember I mentioned about the broad-leaf Melnick at the beginning? Good old Winston Churchill's favourite red? Yes, well, that is actually the grape variety they are championing for this region. And so that now leads me to the last grape variety, which is, I've ruined it now, the broad-leafed Melnick. <laughs> so this is a red variety and it is really interesting. It's very Pinot noir Esque, but it has a bit of an Italian vibe to it. It's not too intense, it's not too full bodied, and apparently it's getting better and better every year. Now, the reason it's called broad leafed Melnick is because the leaves are so broad. So, if you see the bunch of grapes on the vine and you put it against one of the leaves, the leaves are huge in comparison. So, that is partly why it got its name. Right. Think it's wine time. I know you're you're desperate. H how is this one specifically tasting, right? Thank you for the enthusiasm. <laughs> okay, right. Let's see how it tastes. Oh, that was oh oh well, that was quite a big glass for me. That's because I quite like this one, right? So, <laughs> okay. Um, serious, serious. Um, I think it's really pretty on the nose. Lots of red cherries, red plums. You get this kind of crushed leaves and forest floor. That's that kind of Italian vibe I was mentioning that kind of comes through. Kind of Nebbiolo-esque mixed with Pinot Noir. So there you go, your love child. Pinot Noir and Nebbiolo together. It's got this kind of sweet balsamic vinegar side to it as well, giving that extra oomph. And actually a slight, maybe a slight twigginess to it, but in a good way. Mm. Really fruity, um, really approachable. This is medium bodied, it's fresh, it's vibrant with a decent amount of tannins, to be honest. They're kind of like a slightly dusty, chalky kind of tannins, but good, nice and ripe. A slight, a slight earthy finish, but also some kind of even like rose petals, something a little bit floral. Um, fantastic. So let's look at the producer. This is Damianov Family Winery and Vineyards. And this specific wine is called vineyard but it's actually spelt v-n-y-r-d and it's actually very nice because the d part at the end is for damianov and then the v n y and r all stand for the initials of the four family members behind this wine so it's actually quite a nice little story now only two thousand bottles of this wine are made and price point everyone very important 
12 pounds 75 pence like literally i'm shocked every single time i hear the prices but that's now what i expect from bulgaria now of all the wineries that i just mentioned this one has been around since the second world war so nice to have a veteran in the mix so now i've done a tasting of four indigenous varieties you also know about the fifth one Rubin, because that's also potentially the signature grape variety of Bulgaria. And there are more indigenous varieties. I'm going to mention one grape variety, extra, added bonus moment, um, which is the Gamza grape variety. And I mention this because this is actually the same grape variety as Kadaka in Hungary. They just call it Gamza. So that one is hopefully an added bonus that maybe you already knew. Now let's just finish off with summarising the country as a whole so you feel a little bit more confident about Bulgarian wine in general. So, Bulgaria tends to have about 3,000 hours of sunshine, especially in the Thracian Valley, slightly less just in the Danube Plain, but this is exactly what you would expect in the south of France or in northern Italy. In terms of plantings, there's about 60,000 hectares of vineyards planted, but about 25,000 of those hectares are dedicated to dessert grapes, so a hell of a lot less. Now, Zarek the sommelier pointed out, and I think this is a really good comparison. Bordeaux has about 110 to 115,000 hectares of production in their one wine region. Now I've been focusing on indigenous varieties because I think that's really exciting but over 30% of the vineyards are actually planted to Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot so keep an eye out they do label their grape varieties on the bottle so it is easy to understand. And if you are looking for those PGIs, about 75% of the vineyards are planted in the Thracian Valley as opposed to the Danube Plain. Now keep in mind Bulgaria is on the same latitudes as many of the renowned regions in Italy, in France and Spain. And it's a mix of two climates really. So there's an influence from the Mediterranean Sea the Black Sea and the Balkan Mountains. So in the north, the Danube Plain, it's a little bit more continental, like a moderate continental climate. So hotter summers, colder winters. And then below the Balkan Mountains in the Thracian Valley, it's a little bit more of a Mediterranean climate. So what that means is a longer growing season, even warmer summers, and of course, not so cold winters. But Cooling breezes from the oceans do a very good job of making sure these wines have finesse, power, but beautiful acidity. Genuinely, after tasting these four wines, I am so excited about the wines of Bulgaria. And it cost me hardly anything to buy these wines, which I think I am the most excited about. Now, as always, it's wine quote time, but I recognised I was not going to be able to find a quote about broadleafed Melnik. <laughs> Karatsuda. And so I have just relaxed and found what I feel suits this experience of tasting crazy indigenous varieties of Bulgaria. So there is a quote by George Carlin, and I am sure you have heard it. And he says, Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in an attractive and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in sideways, Chardonnay in one hand, chocolate in the other, Body thoroughly used up, totally worn out and screaming, woohoo! What a ride. <laughs> I think you can have a bit of a ride with Kaleshki Mishket and a little bit of Mavrudno. So, 
do see wherever you are in the world where you can get your hands on some Bulgarian wines and then let me know are you as excited as I am about this. As always, if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Do it now, click the button, like it, leave your comments. So many of you send me direct messages to say lovely things. Thank you so much. Anything lovely or not lovely, it's appreciated. I can always learn from it. And so take those comments, do just put them on your podcast app because it does help the podcast become more discoverable. And I'm starting to get bored of saying the same thing, but hey, I have those exclusive content just for you and that is on patreon.com slash eat sleep wine repeat so for a couple of quid you can have some extra wine podcasts and I will appreciate it truly because it really really helps with the time and the editing and production so I hope you enjoyed this episode I hope it was interesting and you've learned something new I certainly learned something new yesterday and until the next time everybody cheers to you